It is Saturday, October 28th, 2023. This is another World Series edition of Baseball Today, presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. And a quick reminder that you can save 10% on your next SeatGeek purchase if you download the app today on your phone and then you use the code word Postseason, all one word, all caps. You can save 10% on your World Series tickets if you're going to Texas or Arizona. NFL games, college football, NBA, NHL, concert goers, save 10% whether you're a newbie or a returning customer. Go use that code word Postseason. Yes, we are working on a Saturday because it is the World Series, and I couldn't be happier about it, Blue. I love it, too. I mean, I, I uh, stayed up, watched a game with Teddy, recorded talking baseball last night, recording baseball today, right now. Then I got two more baseball games uh, today and tomorrow, plus the World Series. A lot of stuff going on. I'm just a baseball nut. I've realized yeah. that, man. I tried to get away from it for a little bit, but I, my life is baseball. It is. You know, You know who else is a baseball nut? None other than native Clevelander and future Hall of Fame tight end Travis Kelsey. How shocked were you to see him in the building last night on a Friday? He does play Sunday in Denver. I was thinking, like, why was he there? Like, what's what's up? What's going on? Because the Rams are in Dallas. So, like, maybe we'd see some of them tomorrow at the game. Probably not. But Travis Kelsey flying. Is he that big of a baseball fan? Or is he or is this just like Hey, bro, I'm keeping my face in front of everybody because that's going good for me right now. So it's partially that, I do think. But he is a big baseball fan. He actually hit a home run when he went to uh, Cleveland Heights High in, well, I still call it Jacobs Field, Progressive Field. When he was in high school, he hit a home run there. So he's he's always been a big baseball fan. He was uh, part of the softball team. celebrity softball game at the all-star game in Cleveland in 2019. I had a big chat with him and listen, he does, you know, there's no question. He likes the camera, but he's a fun dude. Do you think Travis Kelsey knows who I am? Like, Oh, that guy, I I saw him play baseball once. Oh yeah. No, no, I think so. Definitely. Every time I see his his, uh, Cleveland team a lot. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm sure he knows exactly who you are. I don't think there's a question about it. He pays attention. He pays attention. That's pretty he cool. He knows who I am. I see him every every few years. I get to see him on the desk. Yeah, no kidding. With the Super Bowl. You guys are like so, best friends. Well, we're definitely not best friends, but there you go. Also, nice first pitch before we get into the game by uh, George Bush. I thought, First of all, I was like, man, I wonder how old he is. How old do you think he is? Oh, shoot. Uh, he's got to be like in his 80s, I think. Like I said... Yep, he's seventy-seven. I was okay. I was like God because I lost track of how old he was, and then when he bounced it, I really had to check it. So I'll never rip on him for first pitch, um, based on what he did, two thousand one World Series. Yeah, no, that's probably the greatest first pitch in in the history of first pitches. That one yes. last night it got mentioned on the broadcast. He threw another strike. He didn't. It was unless we're playing like cricket. All right, let's get to the game. Boy, oh boy, we had to wait a long time to get an extra inning game here in the postseason, but boy, oh boy, was it well worth the wait. A fantastic finish between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Texas takes it in extra innings, but there was a swing in the ninth that set the tone before the game winner. Could tie it with one swing.
Dolis Garcia sends on the other way. That sends Carroll back. He's at the line, and the legend grows! Adolis Garcia wins game one! You know, I think that it just kind of shows us that you can never count us out, especially, you know, we were kind of down the majority of the game right there, but in the end it didn't matter, and that's what you need. People, people around you that are going to be veterans that are going to come through in those moments like that. Um, and it's just been, gosh, yeah, you have all the confidence in the world. By the way, not only is Evan Carter, 21-year-old stud at playing baseball, he just encapsulated the entire moment beautifully right there. So Adolis Garcia gives us our first walk-off home run in Game 1 of the World Series since Gibby took Dennis Eckersley deep in 1988. The dude has just been on a roll, Ploof. He's a, he's a stud, and I'm wondering right there. We, we can get into the gameplay. Wonderful swing by him. Wonderful swing by Seager. Awesome. Uh, why are we pitching to Adolis right there? Three one, and you're throwing a heater. Like maybe any other pitch, or like let's just take our chances with Mitch Garver and then your boy Hedgy. Right. Like I don't know what was going on right there. If that was supposed to just be a ball, you could just go like this, or just throw one in the dirt. I don't know. It doesn't matter because the pitch was middle and at least did not miss it and it seems right now that it's a foregone conclusion that in a big spot if you throw him strikes and you get behind the count he's going to do damage to you it's going to be interesting to see chris how they approach him uh in the coming games uh of the series so you know i think he burst onto the scene last year right isn't that when he really took off yeah and so we were like, God, what is the backstory on this guy because we just didn't know and then you trace it back to his roots with the cardinals and being roommates with Randy Rosarena, who's who had 10 homers in a playoff run in 2020 uh, to help the Rays get all the way to the World Series. And you find out more about his story being from Cuba. And it's just, it's remarkable. Uh, and then he has been smack dab in the middle of everything they have done. One thing I think people forget is that he missed a bunch of games down the stretch for the Rangers. Remember, was it that he got hit by a pitch or something? I forget exactly what the injury was. Um, or if he ran into a wall and got banged up, Ranger fans can help me out in the chat as to why he missed some time. But they were like, I don't even know if he's going to be ready for the playoffs. But he did. He made it back. And he has just, he's been in the middle of everything, good and bad. Martin Maldonado, who said, well, you made a mistake and woke us up. Well, it's been exactly the opposite ever since then. And you just never know what goes into making an athlete focus to the nth degree and making them dangerous and more dangerous at what they do. But something has unlocked this man to take him to a level that we rarely see at this time of year. Yeah. Everything in his swing right now is so precise. He's repeating everything. The barrel is going exactly where he wants it to go. And there's just like, it seems like there's no wasted movement. So when you're, when you feel like that and you're seeing the ball, the way he's seeing the ball, all it is is taking the big part of the bat to the ball. That's as simple as it is for Adolis right now. And as strong as he is. We used to call uh, Josh Young uh, the thick neck dude on the Rangers. But, I mean, Garcia's got him by a mile. Yeah. Like, this dude is roped up. He's so strong and so compact. It's just it's really impressive watching him hit right now. And he made that play in the alley, too. Like, don't sleep on that. Those yeah. are more runs if he doesn't make that catch. What was that at the end of the eighth or the ninth? I, I forget. You talking about the, the Corbin Carroll ball? Yeah, the one in, yeah. yeah in the alley where he backhanded it. Well, there was two. He had a couple catches, I think. So he's 
I mean, and he stole a base after he got hit by a pitch where everybody's like, oh, my God, he just broke a bone in his hand. That dude must be made of something different than the rest of us. Because every time he gets hit, you think he's going to break into something and he's good. That's been the difference for him is, you know, typically he's been a power guy with a low OBP. But this year he stepped up the on base percentage, which just means he's seeing the ball better. He's getting he's swinging at uh, more strikes, not swinging at uh, balls. And it's just kind of when you get all that working together, man. A magical thing. Well, speaking of a guy who is definitely seeing it, Corey Seager is the one who hit the two-run homer off of Paul Sewald, who's been as dominant as any reliever throughout this postseason, to tie the game at five. So a couple years ago, he takes the $300-plus million deal to go from the Dodgers to the Rangers when the Dodgers were still the Dodgers and the Rangers hadn't done anything since 2016. And the narrative was, nice little money grab, cute story, guy who always gets injured what is the narrative surrounding Corey Seager this morning he made the right choice you know I, I don't think you can fault people for saying that about Texas at that time everybody says when they're rebuilding oh we got a vision everybody says you got to execute it you got to get lucky you got to sign the right guys you got to have guys overperform. you got to have young guys come up and do it um but he's he got it right he trusted in in uh did Chris Young sign him? He did, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He trusted in that vision. And you know what? This year, even through 119 games, the numbers he put up are absurd, Chris. And I started I started looking around like, what is different this year? Because in 2022, his first year with the Rangers, played 151 games, pretty much healthy all season. And he had one of his lowest OPSs of his career at 772. So I went and looked at his baseball savant page. This year he's faced 11 different types of pitches, Chris. Wow. We can knock off three of them, a slurve, a forkball, and a knuckleball. He didn't see, like, many of those. But those are all uh, 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 zero run value. So not negative, not positive. He doesn't have enough pitches. But the other eight, all eight pitches, positive run value especially the off-speed pitches he's crushing this year. And in years past, it wasn't the case. He's always been able to hit fastballs, but something clicked for him this year with the breaking pitches, whether that's him getting a little bit older, understanding his body, whatever it is. If it's that dang bat that he uses, I found out it's his second bat of the year, not his first bat of the year. If you look at that thing, it looks like he's had it for eight years. But it's, he's only on his second bat of the year. Whatever happened this year, He's crushing off-speed pitches. He's crushing fastballs. He's not missing anything. And now it looks like with this core that they have here, with this run that they're on, I mean, yeah, this is so far removed from Corey Seager took a payday and he's going to be just gone like Chris Bryant in Colorado. And I hope Chris Bryant gets his flowers maybe in a couple of years. Uh, but right now, Seager looks like he made the best decision possible and the Rangers look like they made the best decision possible when they had to choose between all these different shortstops that were out there. They chose a good one. Yeah. And if you're a Dodgers fan today, wondering why we let him go. If you're a Yankees fan today, wondering why we didn't pursue him stronger. There are teams today that are, are wondering all of that sort of stuff. Um, I think the good thing is, is that I was worried when he went to Texas that, yeah, he would, go into baseball oblivion and one of the really good postseason players of our era would kind of lose the rest of his playoff prime without an opportunity and here he is <laughs> you know was there any doubt even though Paul Seawald has been unbelievable but I mean walking Tavares walking the number nine hitter to start off that inning that's something that you can't lose sight of 
right? I mean, Tavares is a guy, he did get a couple of walks last night, but he is pretty much a free swinger. He'll chase at anything in the dirt outside of the strike zone. He'll go. He kind of leaves those fastballs outside of the zone, but breaking balls, he has a tough time laying off of. And Seawald, the invisible fastball for the first time was not invisible. And man, oh man, that there's that image. Have you seen the picture of Seeger on the follow through where he's screaming? That's freaking awesome. I mean, he knew right away. And that swing path, his swing path matching up with Seawald's uh, angle is is difficult. Like, you have to be so, so precise. That's why, I mean, that's why they call it invisible. Like, it's just not easy to get on plane with. Mm-hmm. He caught it perfectly. He knew right away. You hit that thing, you don't feel a thing, but you know it's gone. You know you just tied up a World Series game in the freaking bottom of the ninth against one of the better closers in the game. I mean, everything worked out. It was it was awesome. I thought, though, Chris, we got to give a little bit of credit to the Rangers' bullpen. Hell yes, who you do. Is just locking it down. And there was an inning, I, I believe it was the seventh inning, uh, the top of Carroll tries the bunt. They make a play. Marte goes up the mid- middle. Simeon makes a play. If those two guys get on, like more runs score, it's being able to lock it down like that, you know. At the time, you're like, okay, two outs, no big deal. But like, if you really look back at the game, you if you don't play defense like that and you don't stay focused to keep it a, a two run lead or two run deficit, things are different. So, I mean, I think we talked about this last time on talking baseball. I thought the Diamondbacks played an exceptional game. They did everything right. They got it to their closer with a two run lead. They basically won the game, but. Paul Seawall gave it up. And then you have the Rangers coming back at the end like that. So just a phenomenal baseball game. Yeah, unbelievable. There's no question about it. And um, here's some bad news for Diamondbacks fans. And I saw this on Twitter countless times, or X last night as I was perusing, that now in three of their four World Series road games that they've given up the game-tying homer in the ninth inning, Ouch! It's so it's uh at our Seeger, yeah, and at least so I don't know which one you're counting here. Jeter, I saw, and then who's the other one? I think Tino hit one. Oh, and I, I believe love Tino Martinez. Yeah, right. Wasn't it Tino who hit that one? Brocious? Did he get one? asked? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go back to the 2001 log, but it was off of Byung Young Kim, uh, little Ooh. side armor. And um, but didn't matter. Diamondbacks won their four home games and ended up taking down that 2001 series. And the difference here is that Arizona is going to have to win a road game for the first time in the World Series if it wants to hoist the commissioner's trophy. That was just crazy. So you talked a little bit about what this means for Arizona. Um, Here is their skipper, Tori Lovello, after last night's tough one. This is it's how the game goes sometimes, and we got to find a way to be resilient and adaptable, and, and and come out with a clean a clean mind and and do our best. And I have every reason to believe that we will. We've done it a lot this year. I got to be honest with you. We've talked when your when your bullpen blows a lead during the regular season. That's not just like any other loss, right? You you feel you really feel it in your bones. When you get to October and you have a multi-run lead and the dude you want on the mound and you don't get it, the way you bounce back the next day is imperative. That's the thing I'll be watching for tonight. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, they did everything right. I think that's the everything. message. 
that's the message that you have to to take away if you're a, a Dimebacks player or even a fan. Like we did everything right. We got it to Seawald. You'll take your, your chances. If you say, I'm going to put Seawald in the exact same position tonight, you'll take that. Up two runs and you got him going? Like, you did it, man. So, like, they don't call them the answer backs for nothing. They've been doing this. They lost mm-hmm. two in Philly and came back and won the series. We're talking about the most hostile environment. Everyone can shut up about how hostile Philly was. They came in and won game sixes and seven there. Like, they, they're they going to be okay. This is going to be a very, very competitive series, man. Definitely, they got punched. They got punched hard, Chris. Maybe even sucker punched. I didn't even see that one coming. But I, 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 like Tori Lovello, have a lot of faith in their ability to come back and, and put together a great effort tonight. Yeah, I know it was just a small portion, but they were down 2 nothing after the first, right? You talked yesterday yep. about the Rangers. You thought their biggest advantage was their ability to put up crooked numbers. And here, the, the Diamondbacks on the road in a hostile environment. They're down 2 nothing, and boom, they come right back. And Corbin Carroll laces the two-run triple, and all of a sudden, then they grab a 3-2 lead. And their bullpen was doing a really, really good job until the last part. And, man, they stole bases, right? They stole four bases. Christian Walker stole five bases here. That's almost half his regular season total. They're they're running exactly the scheme that they want to in order to win this series. I I was going to mention that. That's To me, that was a a big factor in the game. They see the ability to take the extra base, and they did it. I think it's their third straight game with four stolen bases. Mm-hmm. They did, weren't running against the Phillies, and all of a sudden they just kind of decided to do it. I'm still curious about what happened there in those middle games, but they're confident in their ability to take the extra base right now. That's going to prove dividends in the series. Just put so much pressure on the defense. You're constantly now a walk is a double because they're going to steal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're going almost at will right now. And also, and I'm curious your take on this. I said this last night on Talking Baseball. Uh, they can't pinch hit for Jonah Heim anymore or pinch run for Jonah Heim anymore. No. Like, well, it, I, the, I, I, I don't mean to take shots at Hedges, but holy snikey, man. Well, listen, in fairness, we know that he's never going to be mistaken for Johnny Bench or Pudge Rodriguez at the dish. Yeah. You, you and know he hasn't had he a bat in a month. In a month. So, And by the way, if you go look at the where those pitches were, those are pretty good They were nasty. Right. So he didn't have any shot whatsoever. So the the idea, I I get the idea of pinch running for Jonah Heim. Everybody's like, well, you can't throw in a defensive replay. That's not what they were doing. They were down two. Yeah. Heim, I think, had just walked. They put him on first base, yeah. Right. So they had first and second. And I believe there were two outs when it happened. So what they're hoping is ball gets in the alley. And you get your speedy guy home. Like, I understand the philosophy. And the other philosophy is this, is that by the time the order runs its way back around to Jonah Heim, who, if if they get out of the inning, he would be hitting eight the next inning, it means that we will have tied the game. I think that's the thought process. And that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, it did it cost them a shot at the win in the ninth inning? 100% it did. But I can't fault the thought process there. You've kind of covered your bases, if you will. You're not sending up, right? Because if I just want to make sure I'm doing the math here right. If he hits eight the next inning, if you get two outs and you get three base runners on, that's five people. You will have you still have two other guys to hit before he hits, which yeah, means you yeah. will have either tied the game or the game's over. 
So I understand the thought process. I was rooting as hard as I've ever rooted for a hitter. Tell me about it. And and no offense to the snakes. I don't really have a rooting interest in this one. I'm enjoying the good baseball, but our boy Hedgie up there with a chance. I was like this, like talk about a freaking moment, not one at bat in the postseason coming in against a a shell shocked closer. I was like, dude, this might happen. I know this might happen. And then Seawald and Moreno were smart enough to be like, this guy is going to be coming off trying to ambush a fastball and just, three in a row no chance zero and there was a video going around i don't mean to keep piling on i think it was the cespedes family barbecue guys put it out and it was they showed hedgie's reaction after uh el bombi and and they said when you find out you don't have to hit anymore right exactly (laughs) hey it's pretty i get it and you know what he'll be the first one to laugh and wear it you know he'll be upset because he's all about getting the team win like he what do you think People no, he's great. He's, he's he does everything that he's supposed to do on that. Exactly. Team. Exactly. That's his role. And people are like, why the fuck is he even on it? He's on it for two reasons. Number one, he's a good guy who's never going to complain about anything. And his role, teams that have a third catcher, it gives you the versatility to do what they did last night, to pinch run. Because Jonah Heim isn't guaranteed to be scoring on an alley's double. He's just is he the not. third catcher? Is there another catcher? He's the third, Mitch Garver, but he was the DH, DH. last night. So that's everybody was, should have like, said, okay, so P- let's really quickly think about this. If you take Garver out, it's fine, but it means that you have to then pinch hit. No, you can't. No, no, no. Uh, every time the pitcher's role would have come up because you're going to lose the DH. And at some point, if it goes too far, you're going to have a pitcher hitting in the World Series. And don't don't give me this bullshit. Well, that's just as good as having Austin Hedges at the plate. It's not. It's not. And finally... If for no other reason, and you're looking for a reason to root for the Texas Rangers, it's because Hedges on the Rose rotation promised that he would wear chaps and a cowboy hat during the parade and stream with us live. Like only chaps? Why do I think assless chaps right away? My head just goes there. Well, you know, I I said assless chaps on the clip, and everybody's like, hey, dummy, all chaps are assless. Oh, that makes sense. I was like, he goes, There's if they're not under the chaps, if they're, if they're not, they're called pants. I said, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I, I don't, I don't wear chaps enough to know the difference. So you're right. Thank you. Let's quickly move on to the game two pitching matchup tonight. Merrill Kelly going against Jordan Montgomery. Merrill, of course, has been lights out this postseason. Do you think he's going to outduel a guy who has been even better than him? Outduel? I don't know. I think he's going to give up a really good effort. I think Montgomery has been incredible as well going back to kelly's logs and he pitched two times against philadelphia in philadelphia in the cs the first game five and two thirds four and runs but those were three solo shots um that you know you kind of understand that's going to happen when you play against a team like the phillies you can probably expect a little bit of that going up against the rangers next time he faced him five innings pitch only one earned run eight k's he's kind of got it working right now i don't I wouldn't put my money on him out-dueling Jordan Montgomery, but I definitely think he's going to put up an effort. And that was something that happened uh, in last night's game. Zach Gallon being able to go five innings, you know, after he was through 70 pitches in the third, I think was massive for the D-backs to get him into the position to win the game. Mm-hmm. Kelly's got to do the same thing. You got to go at least five. Mm-hmm. Like, try to do your best to go out there and get through six so you can really pair that bullpen down to who you want. Um, I would say... I would say Montgomery. I don't know. I would lean Montgomery if we're saying who's going to have a better line. I just think he's been more consistent. Yeah, I just think he has to go 
pitch for pitch with him, meaning he can't give up yeah. four runs and Monty gives up one. That's that's just I, that sort of math. I don't think will work out for Arizona in the long run. Um, Kelly's been great. I think he's given up five runs in his postseason this year. Three of them coming on solo shots. Let's remember in Game Two in Philadelphia, he pitched great. I think he gave up three solo shots, and that was yeah. it. And those were the only hits maybe he gave up. And then he turned around in Game Six. He wanted the ball again in the place where he was like, well can't be louder than the world baseball classic and so the fans were all on him and he did great he handed the ball over to him in game seven and kept the train rolling and i fully expect him to do it the thing i'm worried about is that tory lavello unleashed his entire a bullpen and they didn't get the win like ginkle threw 28 pitches seawald threw 21 or 22 now listen i know it's game two of the world series you're going to do whatever you can the question is, with as much as these guys have pitched, and Ginkle, Seawald, and um, one other guy, uh, Thompson, Thompson, have all thrown in, I think, nine of their 13 playoff games. That starts to build up, man. It just means that you might not be as sharp. Your breaking stuff isn't as good. It's not a velocity question usually with guys, right? It's their breaking stuff not being as sharp when they're used this frequently. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's it's... Something as silly as calling it like, you know, the conviction on a pitch or the, 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 you know, some late life on a pitch. They're just, there's something about a guy when he's not at a hundred percent, like the sharpness just isn't there, if you will. So you really have to rely on on location. And if you miss spots and your sharpness isn't there, big league hitters are going to get you um, most of them. But I think a lot of these guys are getting exposed um, you know, like Seawald has he's seen these guys a lot. That's that's one thing that I don't think a lot of people talked about enough is Corey Seager's seen Seawald. Right. You know, he's with the Mariners. And uh, I think once you start to see these relievers more and more, again, especially a guy with the invisible the that Seawald has, you start to get a little bit more comfortable. I mean, LeClerc has thrown in a bunch of games. He got two more innings last night. Like that's going to happen in a long series like this. They're, you're gonna right. see these guys and they're, you got to suck it up, man. Ginkle last night I thought was awesome because he didn't have that breaking pitch. Couldn't control it, so he started throwing heaters and got through the inning. I think yep. That's really important for him to know that he's got that in the bag, too. I mean, it is 98. It's not like it's, it's 91. Nasty. He's going up soup. and in. Oh. All right, yeah. before we get out of here, uh, how about the trio of sandwiches that's available at that ballpark? For 250 bucks? you get these enormous six-foot subs uh, starts with a three-strike lobster roll consisting of fresh lobster topped with beef tenderloin, the Rangers version of surf and turf. You got the boomstick burger made up of two-foot-long beef patties covered in nacho cheese, chili, jalapenos, and onion rings. The third sandwich is the boomstick hot dog, two-foot-long hot dogs covered in nacho cheese, chili, jalapenos, and caramelized onions. Any interest in that triumvirate for 250 bucks? I'm going to give a shout out to my guy, Chef Reactions on TikTok and Instagram. What he would say about this is zero out of a 10, but of course I'd try it. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, 250. <laughs> I'm not so sure I could I could pull that off. Um, yes, you would. Chris Rose, that's just like a little pocket change from your freaking yeah, BattleBots money. Yeah, that's not it. I mean, right. Is it going to put a dent in my life forever if I pay 250 bucks for it? particularly if I'm able to expense it according to my accountant, because it is for um, content. Um, yeah, I'm just not so sure I could do that. And I'm not so sure what the blue thing was. Is that a blue? I didn't know what that was either. That's a bun. I'd assume. 
Yeah, that was that one kind of skin. I thought maybe like a Smurf. Is that the Surf and Turf? No, that's the burger. Looks like it's got egg on it. That looks nasty. Okay, I'm I'm out. Yeah, that made that made the decision. I mean, I would try every single one for sure. The Smurf, the Smurf dump on top of the burger kind of (laughs) killed it for me. Somebody in our chat said that we want to see Rose in the chap sipping mead. No, thank you. Speaking of making your tummy not feeling good, believe me. Michelle has been married to me for 26 years. She makes me get dressed in the dark. All right. Everybody enjoy game two. We are not doing a show on Sunday. We will resume on Monday with a wrap-up of the entire weekend, looking ahead to the series as it shifts to Arizona, and we cannot wait. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented and still clean-shaven, Coach Trevor Plouffe, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Monday on Baseball Today.